Welcome to WPcast, the professional WordPress podcast for WordPress entrepreneurs. I'm David. And I'm Doug. This is episode nine, behind the scenes of PodWP. So let's get started with the changelog. What have you been up to this week? It's my last week here in Barcelona. I've been here for about, I think, six weeks or so now. And I had such a good time. I'm going back to Austria in a few days. I'm a little bit sad about leaving. And I think at some point I'll definitely come back to Barcelona and spend some more time here, maybe like three months or so. I had a great time here. Also, there's a really cool plugin that I just bought and set up on my own site. It's called Ninja Demo. It's by the same guys that created Ninja Forms, which we've talked about in the last episode. And basically what Ninja Demo does is if you're running a WordPress plugin or theme business, it just makes it really, really easy for you to set up demo sites where your customers and prospects they can go there and they can basically try out your plugin without having to buy it. And they can, you know, use the full version of the plugin and test everything. And then if they like it, they can just like go ahead and buy it. So yeah, I'm super happy with it. And we're going to include a link in the show notes as well to the demo of easy pricing tables. If you want to see what the demo looks like. One more thing, I made a change to the way we're handling our development and basically what we've done so far is we've been using github private repositories for storing our code we're a distributed team of like two or three people working on plugins and we've just migrated to bitbucket and the main reason for that really was is that even though i loved github um it started to get quite expensive um because you're basically paying by the number of repositories that you have. And I have a lot of very small repositories. So I was already surpassing 10 and I, I might be surpassing 20 small repositories over the next couple of months or so. And in that case, I would have to pay $50 a month at GitHub while Bitbucket is f- completely free um, as long as I have less than five users. So I, I think it's just like an interesting example of like a SaaS company kind of getting like the pricing access wrong. It just doesn't seem that the number of repositories is an indicator of like how big your organization is or how much money you're making as an organization. So I think they kind of chose the wrong pricing access there and uh, lost me as a customer. Yeah. Let us know how Bitbucket works out for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. We'll move on to the core. And as Doug already said, the title of this episode is Behind the Scenes of Pod WP. And talking a bit about Doug's business of, you know, how he makes money in the WordPress space by providing services and selling products and hosting. So do you want to get started, Doug? Sure. I'll be talking a lot about the business model of PodWP and EfficientWP, which is basically the same business. So I, I don't want to make this sound like too much of a sales pitch. So I'll try to keep it on the business model and the mechanics of how I have things set up. Yeah, so we're talking about this because I think it would be interesting to a lot of people that are listening to this and maybe they are service providers or you know maybe they're considering selling some add-on services to the clients or whatever it is. So the reason we're doing this is because I think it'd be interesting to you, the listener. Basically, this is kind of like a, a niche WordPress hosting and design business. And so there's some other uh, people that are doing similar things for different niches. And I'll talk a, a bit about those later. But uh, I'll get started with just a, a brief history of, you know, how I got started with this. In 2008 is when I started learning WordPress. And pretty early on in the business, I started setting up my clients on my own multi-site install. Basically, I found it a lot easier to manage for them. And generally, they didn't know how to maintain their site or they didn't want to deal with it. So it was easy for me to set them up on the multi-site. And this is back before... 
multi-site really got as popular and it was actually a separate code base. So basically, um, you were doing client work, WordPress, design and development services for, I think, local businesses, right? The New Jersey area mostly. And then they basically needed hosting and you identified, oh, there's like an opportunity, like I can, you know, I can host their site and maintain them and make a little bit of recurring revenue, right? Yeah, I, I started out locally and then, you know, like most businesses, as you grow, then, you know, you can expand and, you know, referrals ended up getting me a lot of customers from from different areas too. So around 2012, 2013 is when, you know, I really started to step things up. I changed the branding from efficient websites to efficient WP. You know, I've always done just WordPress websites anyway, but uh, this was the first of uh, a bit of a shift in branding. And I started focusing a lot more on the performance aspects and improving my own design skills. And for a while, you kind of had a different model where you were trying to target, you know, small web agencies and basically kind of like provide the hosting for them. You're basically trying to target agencies and have them resell their services, but it didn't really turn out to be a great fit, right? Yeah. It's one of those products and service validation issues where, you know, I talked to a lot of people and they said, oh, this would be great. I can see using this and do you have a white label solution? And Basically, a lot of people said it was a great idea, but nobody would actually buy it. And I suspect the main reason is because most of the established agencies had their own systems where they had certain plugins and themes that they already liked to use. And because of the restrictions of reselling on a multi-site network, I couldn't allow people to install their own themes and plugins without being security risk and a big support burden. So what was the reason that you used multi-site in the first place? Was it because you, you're basically taking care of updates and you know maintenance and it's just much easier to maintain one single multi-site install instead of you know 50 or 100 separate single installs? Was that the reason? Exactly. And I started before Managed WP and, and similar services came about. But even if you do have multiple sites that you, you can maintain remotely, you still do have to check them. Or certain things, these services just won't do as easily. And if you have a multi-site installed, then that lets you concentrate all your efforts on one installation and security and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And another good thing about that is that um, you can basically like pre-install a bunch of themes and even like premium plugins and uh, your customers can use those. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's easier. And, and especially if you're using something like managed hosting, where they usually charge you for the number of sites, it can get a lot more expensive if, if you have a large number of sites that are on separate installations. Whereas with the multi-site install, you have a higher price point when you start out with, but it can scale a lot better with a lot of small sites. That makes sense. Okay, so you figured out that targeting agencies wasn't really the right way to go. So what did you focus on next? I went back to building sites for clients directly. And earlier this year, I decided to focus on podcast websites specifically. So that's why my the main branding that I'm, I'm pushing now is PodWP. So why did you decide on the podcast niche? I, I'd done websites for a lot of different kinds of clients. And I realized that I actually had done a few podcast websites for clients in different industries. And since I wanted to focus and specialize on one type of website, I figured that would be a good way to start. And it didn't look like there were many people doing that kind of thing or or anyone that, that I know of that actually specializes in podcast websites. Yeah. And there seems to be a big trend in the community that both of us 
hang out in. Like everybody and his brother is basically starting a podcast, including ourselves. Yeah, it kind of coincided us deciding to do this podcast and me deciding to choose the podcast niche. You know, I believe in knowing your customer base as best you can. And, you know, if I'm going to be designing and building sites for podcasts, then I should have my own podcast and yeah. you know, know how to do it. So what's the problem with a lot of existing kind of podcast sites? Why, why do you think there's a need for this kind of service? First of all, a, a lot of podcasts don't even have websites or, you know, they might, really? yeah, they, or they might just link to somebody's normal website. Usually you, you have your podcast files hosted with external media service. So you might be using something like Libsyn or, or Blueberry. I think that there's some other ones out there that have basic site builders. So I've seen a lot of people that just use it for the hosting and, and for the feed and they don't actually have sites on there or the sites are, aren't very good. Yeah. So a lot of other people do have WordPress websites that host the podcast feed. But what I've noticed is a lot of them just are very basic or or it's just kind of like a an extra category on somebody's blog where yeah. there's the feed and then there's just the podcast player. And I've realized that a lot of people are missing out on, you know, what they can do with the podcast and how they can actually optimize it. So, you know, one thing is, you know, just going back to the media hosting, mm -hmm. I've been surprised that a bunch of people actually try to host their podcast files on their web host. Yeah, I, I the, the Tropical MBA podcast back like four years ago, um, <laughs> I think the first Back then, when it was called the Lifestyle Business Podcast, the first 50 or 70 episodes or so, they were all sitting on the Bluehost server of like the shared hosting. Yeah. So it, it's actually against the terms of service for some of these oh, hosting okay. companies. If, if you actually look and read through that. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be slow and a really bad user experience, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's something a lot of people do if you haven't had a lot of experience or you find it's easier and you see that your shared web host offers unlimited disk space and bandwidth. Yep. But, you know, the reality is you want something that, that can handle higher bandwidth and actually, yeah. you know, download faster. One of the things I've noticed as a quick side note is when you're downloading podcasts in iTunes, you can actually see, you know, some are visibly faster than others. And occasionally, you, you know, you download a podcast and it, it seems to take forever. For, yeah, for the size, and usually those are on a shared host. So, what's your solution for that? So, I don't actually host the media files on my server. You know, just like you, you normally shouldn't mm -hmm. host the files on on your web server. But what I recommend is uh, integrating with a service like Blueberry or Libsyn. Yeah, and Blueberry I find particularly useful because it integrates with the PowerPress plugin and. If you have a paid plan, you can upload directly from your WordPress post editor into Blueberry without having to log in separately. Oh, that's cool. And so you basically make it easy. So with, with PodWP, you make it easy. You know, like Blueberry is like pre-installed and it's just like everything is ready. Yeah, to so go. you would still have to sign up for a Blueberry account. Yep. But what I'm trying to do with this service is to give you all the, the right tools instead of having to experiment and research which ones you should use and then actually try them out and find out some aren't as good as others. It's, it's kind of like a turnkey uh, podcasting solution where the thing about podcasts is like it can be very overwhelming to start a podcast. There's like so much stuff to think about. 
anything from you know what kind of microphone do I buy, how do I record it, how do I edit it, how do I upload it, how do I get into iTunes, what should my website do, like all those kind of things. It's very confusing. So I think it's an interesting opportunity if you can just like make the whole process easier. And it might also be a good thing for you to you know pro provide a bit of content on your site as well about you know like tutorials and like how to how to set up in iTunes. Or I'm not sure if there's anything that you can do with the the product itself, like the hosting. If there's anything you can do to make it easier but there is a lot of like stumbling blocks and people are really confused about how to set up podcasts so yeah if you can capitalize on that um that could be good yeah so you know with the service there's you know certain configuration things that i'll do automatically for my customers and then some other things that maybe require a little more work or specific knowledge about the podcast and you know what people want to do certain things people you know would have to do themselves but i would provide instructions on how to go about it that's good. So did you notice any other things that a lot of existing podcast websites are doing wrong? So of the websites that I've seen, a lot of them aren't optimized for visitor engagement and conversions. A lot of times there's just the audio player and then, you know, maybe an intro or, you know, maybe you'll you'll see a transcript. But what I've mm -hmm. I found more useful uh with the podcasts that I listen to and what we're trying to do with this podcast is to have things like good show notes to make commenting on the podcast episodes easy mm -hmm. and to have a good design, to have a good contact form, voicemail option, and getting people on your email list. A lot of these things people just don't seem to do on, on their podcast websites yeah, it's easy to to forget or, you know, maybe if you're a beginner, just not really know about those things. There's a lot of opportunity to engage with your audience, with your podcast. And we're still in the early stages of this podcast, but I think we've done a, a pretty good job engaging with our audience. And honestly, uh, I'm surprised at, at how quickly we've we've gotten an audience. Yeah, me too. So thanks, by the way, to everybody listening. Yeah. So I'll talk real quick about the infrastructure of... The setup. So this is still a multi-site install, right? Yeah. All of these sites are, are hosted on this one WordPress multi-site install that I'm hosting and maintaining. So the pros for the client is that they don't have to do any of the maintenance or security. There are premium themes and there's plugins. All these are pre-installed and they can just choose to activate or deactivate the ones that they want. And because it's on managed hosting, the infrastructure itself is a lot faster, more secure and reliable than what somebody typically does is if they set up a new site on, you know, Bluehost or GoDaddy, any kind of shared yep. hosting. Five bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what I'm I'm able to do is to offer those benefits of managed hosting plus the maintenance for similar costs to managed hosting by itself. So what's your price point? I have plans that start at $25 a month. Okay. So so you can basically get for, for like the same amount that you would pay for a, say like WP Engine subscription, or actually slightly less than that. You can get like a fully kind of like set up, ready to go podcast yeah. website that has like all the benefits and is already like pre-optimized and all of that, which sounds like a really good deal if you want to host podcasts. Yeah. Typically it seems like managed hosting would run you around $30 a month for your own site. And then hiring somebody to do the maintenance would be probably $70 to $100 a month. And then you would still have to pay for all these premium themes and plugins 
on top of that. Right. And the reason you're able to offer that kind of pricing is because, of course, uh, when you have like a lot of, well, when you have like a big multi-site install, hosting that is much cheaper than hosting like dozens or hundreds of smaller installs. And you can like centralize all the maintenance and all that work required. So you can spread the cost savings onto your customers. Yeah. It's all about having having scale yep. and you know being able to host a lot of the sites on the, on the same install. So are there any kind of downsides to being on this multi-site install for your customers? The most common objection that people have had are with the themes and plugins. And unfortunately, this is just something that is going to turn off certain users. People who have WordPress sites already, maybe they love their theme or they must have certain plugins that they already have installed. And if those themes and plugins aren't the same as what I offer on my system, then I can't migrate them over and, and keep everything looking the same. Yeah. So in most cases, it's just a matter of, of changing the theme and switching some plugins to something that has similar functionality. But with some customers, they have a, you know, a custom plugin. And unfortunately, it's, it's something that I can't allow people to just migrate over because I'd be yeah. promising support for that plugin forever yep. essentially yeah that makes sense so it just depends on like what they want but um if you want a nice looking podcast website that works i think it's a really good offer if you have some like very very highly specific needs then it might not be the best fit so let's talk about the business model real quick what do you think are possible risks one of the things that i hear commonly is that most podcasts are they end up failing before 10 episodes is this episode 10 no it's episode 9 so you got four more to go <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll make it. <laughs> so this is, I, I don't know what the actual statistics on this are, but it's a bit of a problem in that a lot of people maybe will start a podcast and not really know how to do it and kind of set themselves up for failure yeah. without getting an audience early. And then they can quickly become discouraged, you know, if they don't get listeners and nobody yeah. comments or. Yeah. And then they're going to cancel their subscription after like three months or so. Yeah. And it's, it's a fair amount of work to get, to get started. And then also it's, it's a time commitment. We, we publish every week and, uh, yeah. you know, to keep up with that, we have to do some planning and, and, uh, make yeah. a commitment to, to scheduling. It's not something you can, you can just spend a few minutes. Any other drawbacks you can think of? So with this business model, there is a low barrier to entry, which is true with, you know, most WordPress type businesses is because it's open source and managed hosting is available. Anyone can learn how to set up a multi-site yeah. install and throw some themes and plugins on there. Yeah. A competitor could easily come in and, and copy things. And, you know, I can't copyright yeah. the setup. Yeah. That's just, that's just how it is in the, in the WordPress world. So one other risk that comes to mind is um, it's still a bit of an unproven market, right? I mean, there are, you definitely know there are lots of people out there that have podcasts and that are running podcasting websites. So that's a good sign, but it's still somewhat untested. You don't really like know if there's enough demand for it to be like a, a nice, uh, worthwhile business. You would probably have to get like a, you know, a couple of hundred customers or so. So you don't really know if there's enough demand, right? And also um, probably like how to yeah. reach them as well. It's still kind of like experimenting with your acquisition strategy. Yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's true with, with pretty much. You know, any business where you're going after a market where there's not competitors already in there. So there is that risk, but, you know, I know this business model can work in other niches. And, you know, basically I have uh, the infrastructure set up that if going after the podcast niche doesn't work, 
I don't have to drop the podcast customers. You know, I can just focus on, on another niche and continue to support the existing customers without having to worry about yeah. costs and stuff like that. That makes sense. So what kind of niches have you seen those kind of managed multi-site install hosting services work? There's a few other services that run on large multi-site installs. And so two of the famous ones are WordPress.com and EduBlogs. And these are at the low end of the pricing. There's pretty limited themes and plugins yep. that you can use. And there's a lot of restrictions on on what you can do. And I believe you can't have uh, certain premium themes and yeah. plugins, or at least you can't get... Definitely at, at WordPress.com. My, my plugins, for example, they don't work on WordPress.com. There's just no way uh, to install them. With services like that, it might be good for somebody who's on a really tight budget and they maybe they're not running a business. Like, for example, EduBlogs, I believe, is just for... Uh, for the education industry, like colleges and yep. stuff like that. On the higher end, then there's a, a couple of services. There's Restaurant Engine, which is built specifically for restaurants, as you can imagine. And this is by Brian Cassell. And Yeah, great, great blog, by the way. Yeah. So his business model is more of a full service model. And it's really interesting because one of the things that he offers for his clients is that they can send unlimited edit requests. And for a lot of restaurant owners, they don't even want to learn how to do WordPress and, you know, add in some, some content on a page. So hmm. it can provide a lot of value to them. Another service I've heard about is New Rainmaker. So New Rainmaker is by the people over at Copyblogger and Studio Press. And this one's even more expensive. I believe it starts at around $100 a month. And it's it's a similar service. It's a multi-site install. And you have the Genesis themes. Their main selling point is offering membership and they can take payments on their site. Although mm. they are somewhat restrictive in the look of the website. I had a brief look at it and for certain types of businesses, it's it's great. But at that price point, you should probably have a significant volume in, in membership or to make it worth your while. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, so it basically sounds like this kind of business model is definitely working for a couple of people out there. I think another one that I've heard about is some kind of like hosted multi-site thing specifically for churches. So there's definitely some opportunity. Yeah, it's pretty interesting what you're up to and you know, keep us up to date yeah. on how everything goes. So let's go into the tips and tricks for this week. So my tip for the week is a WordPress plugin called WP Stream and... It's a pretty new, pretty cool plugin. And what you do is after you install it, basically WP Stream records everything that happens on your site by users. So if somebody edits a blog post or um, deletes a comment or logs in or, you know, changes their password, like all this kind of stuff um, is basically recorded kind of in like a change log that you can easily, you know, see. It hasn't been like super useful, but I think it's just nice to have, especially when you've got other people that have logins for your sites. You can just kind of like have an overview of what's happening and, you know, can make sure they're not doing anything you don't want them to do. Yeah, I think it's particularly useful if anything does go wrong with your site for whatever reason. You can kind of go back and see where things went wrong. Yeah, yeah so I definitely recommend that. So my tip for this week is a program called Rescue Time. And what this does is it monitors the time you spend on applications and websites and it tells you which ones you're spending more time on and you can 
categorize certain websites and applications as being productive or unproductive. And you can kind of get a score for for your day as to how productive you're being. Yeah, I'm using that as well. And I've got it installed and I get weekly reports once a week, which basically tells me um, how many hours did I work and how productive was I. So that's it for this episode. You can leave a comment or voicemail and find the show notes with links at wpcast.fm slash pod wp if you like this episode you can leave us a review on itunes thanks so much for listening 